Hi everyone, I'm Jason Klepa and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. On today's episode, we have Evan Mattis. Now, Evan started with us a number of different years ago as a part-time coach. And he's transitioned from there into now being the general manager of multiple locations. I thought this would be a good episode to dive into what does his day-to-day look like and maybe give you some ideas in terms of how to run your gyms. Now, before we dive into the episode, just want to let you know that as per usual, if you're spending a lot of time programming and maybe that time could be better spent, you know, driving in new business to your gym, go ahead and check out our session plans and our programming. Send us an email to collective at nc.fit and we'd love to let you try out our programming, see what you think and earn your business. Now, guys, Evan is a very intelligent, hardworking individual. We're proud to have him on the team and I can't wait for you to dive into this episode. Have an awesome day. All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Kalipa, and on today's episode, we have a special guest who's actually a general manager of multiple of our locations. His name is Evan Mattis. Now, Evan's been with us for how many years? Four and a half years now. Four and a half years. And I think what's really important, the reason why I wanted to dive into a couple of things with him is that we get a lot of questions from gym owners asking, you know, how do you manage your facilities? How do you create trajectory? How do you, what does it look like when you onboard a new member, when they cancel, things of that nature? And I thought Evan would do a really good job of explaining what his roles and responsibilities look like which then maybe some gym owners can utilize for their business. And so as per usual, um, this episode is brought to you by the NC Fit Collective. If you haven't checked out our session plans and programming, which Evan and all of our coaches use on a regular basis, would really appreciate if you do. Email collective at nc.fit to try out the best in the business. Now, Evan, let's dive into it. Yeah. So you've been with us for four and a half years. You started off coaching for us, right? I started off as a part-time coach. Um, yeah, Moved to California just over four and a half years ago. Sent my resume to NorCal CrossFit, and here I am today. Are you a Gator fan? No, <laughs> no, go dogs. <laughs> so, so you came in as a part-time coach, and then you transitioned through. Yeah. And so, you know, one example that we try and talk to with gym owners is that having trajectory for your staff is so critical, especially those that are really valuable to the team. Mm-hmm. And if you don't provide that to them, they might need to seek opportunity elsewhere. And so in our organization, you start off part-time and then how did you then transition to managing Mountain View as your first location you oversee, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so transition, uh, yeah, basically started off as a part-time coach. And when I first came on the team, I just always let it be known that I was willing to help the company however possible. And I wanted to always take on more responsibility. So every time you know, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to to Matt Walker and the other leaders in the company. I was just always asking, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And I think over time, that got me to a full-time coaching position, eventually to a head coaching position, eventually to a manager position, and so on from there. Well, that's a really great point. So for any coaches out there listening, and there's quite a few of them and owners, would you say one of the major things is that you just kind of put it out to the universe that you want to take on more? Yeah. And so therefore you were looked at for these opportunities when they came up. Right. So yeah. do you think if you're a coach out there, you got to be vocal about that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I think a lot of coaches out there today, um, you know, it, coaching's a great thing. Um, and if that's what you want to do forever, that's awesome. Um, but a lot of coaches eventually after five years, like I had been coaching, um, you know, you're looking to take on more. You're, you're kind of asking yourself like, what's next in my career? 
And if you want to stay in the fitness industry, you just have to be vocal about, you know, wanting to just kind of explore different areas. That's and, cool. And try it out. So, you know, you transitioned, you became the general manager of, of arguably one of the biggest CrossFit style gyms in the country mm -hmm. right now, which is our Mountain View location, yeah. um, which we just expanded multiple times. You've gone through the yeah. ringer. So you've gone through with us from moving locations to dealing with all of the, you know, construction constraints and mm -hmm. things of that nature. Um, what, what did you kind of, as a takeaway, you know, is there any major takeaways that you have when you're moving from one location to the next, anything that you think you guys did really well that maybe was a learning experience? Cause you moved Mountain View three times in, uh, we, this is the third location that I've been a part of with Mountain View. I think it's the fourth overall. So, yeah. So. And so moving from one to the other, I'll just start there. Is there anything you think that you moved from? So when you moved from El Camino to Rangstorf, mm -hmm. like anything that you did kind of as the manager of the location that stands out to you as something different? Um, I, I think, uh, first and foremost, just open communication with your membership in general saying, you know, Hey guys, these are our plans. Um, but at the same time, not giving out too much information all at once um, and getting people super excited about uh, what's to come and then maybe not being able to deliver on everything that you talk about right away. So that's a good balance point. So, you know, because sometimes, right, the city holds things up, things right. of nature. And so you got to bridge the gap between getting people excited and then, you know, getting them spun up and then all of a sudden not delivering on what you were talking about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a challenging thing. So as you've grown through the organization, now you're you know you're overseeing Mount you you're also overseeing Campbell and soon to be San Jose for us. I mean, we're talking about you know a thousand members mm -hmm. that you're overseeing. Plus, what does a typical day look like for you as a manager of these locations? How do you interact with your team? What are you doing on a regular basis to meet with them? Do you have one-on-ones? Yeah. Let's start there. Let's start with your team first. Yeah. And we'll go everywhere else. So, you know, uh, I have a pretty big team right now um, between two locations, uh, soon to be three. Um, I try to make uh, daily contact points with my other full-time staff. Um, so my head coaches at each location and the full-time coaches at each location. I'm checking in with them. I'm seeing how they're doing. You know, uh, fitness is what brought us here. So I work out with these guys almost on a daily basis. Um, and just kind of chatting about, you know, how their day's going, um, how were classes the day before, are there any challenges they're running into and just kind of keeping a pulse on the, the team and thereby the communities in general. Um, and then with part-time staff, it's a little harder, you know, cause I don't see part-time staff every day. Like I do full-time staff. Um, but you know, sending out team emails, um, keeping everybody up to date on, you know, major changes that are going on within the gym. Um, always just being open to, um, having people reach out to me, grabbing coffee with them outside the gym and just making sure everyone's kind of good with, with what they need to be doing. So now you interact with the head coaches and the, of each location. Now, mm -hmm. can you explain to me for those people that don't, don't know our system, you have a manager who's a little bit more administrative. So right. technically on your job description, yeah. what is your role? How are your hours supposedly supposed to be broken down? Basically, I, I on a weekly basis, you know, I'm, I'm looking at working 40 hours a week, um, which generally tends out tends to be a little more, um, which is true of most salaried positions in most industries. Um, and I'm splitting my time pretty evenly right now between Campbell and Mountain View, about 20 hours in each location, and that's in gym. 
Um, so that doesn't account for, you know, maybe answering some emails in the morning when I get up or, you know, at night when I get home, things that, that pop up. And so then the 40 hour work week though, how does that built up? So is it, there's, is there any coaching hours for you? Um, right now my coaching hours consist of basically stepping in and covering when needed. Okay. So just for those of you listening that, you know, have an organization that has several layers for us, our general manager or operator has more of an administrative role. So their role is more of um, attaining and retaining members, mm-hmm. whereas the coaching product is is a, is a separate thing, and that's our head coaches. So now the head coaches in our organization provide quarterly reviews. Now, are you also involved in reviews with each employer? Do you review the head coaches? How does that process work? I do review everybody. Um, you review everybody? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I will uh, team up with the head coaches to provide reviews to our other coaches. So um, our front desk staff, I handle um, exclusively and I'll give them their reviews um, and we do it on a semi-annual basis. So mid-year and end of year. And what does that kind of consist of? So if you're, you know, if you're managing a location, you're looking at your front desk staff, what type of things are you basing them on? And like, how does that conversation go? I mean, is it formal, right? I mean, you're writing this all down. Yeah. Yep. So (laughs) we have a a formal, you know, document that we write it all down on. We save them, um, basically have like a file for each employee. Um, so I can go back multiple, you know, years, um, and, and look at that employee's performance. I mean, we're looking at general strengths and weaknesses. We're looking at how well do they, you know, know our programs and be able to explain our programs to people that are walking in the door. Um, you know, are they meeting the job descriptions in general? Um, how well are they, you know, helping out the team when needed? Um, you know, are they on time? Are they consistently late? Things like that. And so you're reviewing them and then for your, for the coaches that are underneath the head coach. Mm-hmm. So the head coach, how does, how does a head coach at our organization, how do their hours break down? Generally, so, so the head coach hours uh, break down. They do have obviously coaching hours that they need to fulfill. It's generally around 15 hours a week um, that they're on the floor coaching, um, and then they have about 10 to 15 hours of reviewing other coaches, um, and then they have you know open gym and front desk hours that they fill as well. Okay, and so what's really cool at that, and just to better understand the way we run the work, our organization. We're not saying this is the only way. This is just the way we do it. Is you have this operator who maybe shows that they have a little bit more of an administrative style of skill, which doesn't always align with with coaches. Some coaches don't have that skill. Some right. do. It, it and so if you want to primarily coach and develop coaches, we have the head coaching role. If you decide you want to get outside of that a little bit different, then we have the role that you're basically in, mm-hmm. but you're overseeing over multiple locations. And so switching gears a little bit from reviewing your your employees and the team and I know that you work out with them on a regular basis, which is a great way to develop those bonds. But when we actually talk about logistically, I know that we have incoming leads that you handle. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. And then we have cancellations, right. unfortunately. All, all companies it do. It happens. <laughs> that you handle. Yep. Right? And what else builds up like the bulk of your responsibilities as the general manager of one of our locations, aside from meeting with your team, developing your team, et cetera? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, we have scheduling, right? So making the weekly schedules, who's going to be coaching what classes, who's going to be covering front desk what days. Um, you know, we have incoming leads for all these locations. Filtering those leads, like, through the right way to get started. Right? Basically, each lead is kind of its own 
case, you know, so does this person need to take a prep course? Is this person, you know, taking our NC30 or NC45 class to get started and kind of leading them through the process of, of getting started in one of our gyms. Yeah. Um, and when you get a new lead in the door, what yeah. is your goal for turnaround time on that? Uh, it varies. I would love to be able to, you know, convert or have somebody walk in the door, try a class, um, you know, in best case scenario, they sign up right after class. Yeah. Beautiful. One uh, day. I mean, when you, when you get a first initial email or first initial touch point mm -hmm. of some type, yeah. how quickly do we like to respond to you? Uh, I would like to respond to them. Um, first touch within 24 hours. Okay. Adam at the most. At the most. Yeah. Okay. And then, so now they come into our gym, they experience our gym. Mm -hmm. What does that flow look like? Cause I know we have these charts built out, um, so for other gym owners, other managers, how does that process look like that you go through with a new client that wants to come into the gym? Yeah. So, um, you know, if they come into the gym and they've tried a class, right? Um, afterwards, a lot of times I'm not in the gym when they try the class. So within 24 hours of them taking their first class, I'm following up with them, um, checking in on how their experience was and their interest level on joining. Um, from there, it can go a couple of different ways. Some people are, are pumped up and ready to go, which is awesome. Um, some people need a little more time to make a decision. So maybe it's offering them a second free trial class. Maybe it's getting them into a prep course, but ideally we're kind of getting them back into the gym within two or three days. And we're getting them talking about buying a membership within a week. Okay. And so then on the flip side of that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have a cancellation come in, yeah. what does that process look like? Cancellation. Um, obviously, we want to try to salvage the the membership. Um, we want them to stay. So. And what percent are we normally? Do you, um, what's the retention rate? So, like, we try and get ninety set, like less Nine, than three percent. Right? Yeah, less than three percent. Most of our gyms are you know ninety eight, ninety nine percent on a monthly reoccurring yeah. basis. So, yeah. I think let's just take Mountain View that has. I mean, at this point, close what, to four hundred members or more now. Yeah, because we're probably close to five at this point. But with the with the new consolidation, but. So you, you don't want to see more than, let's just say for the sake of argument, 12 leaving a month. Yeah. That, give would, or be, take. that would be pretty high. Yeah. That'd be high. Yeah. And so what do you do for these cancellations? How does that process work? So, uh, if they reach out to me, you know, we do require a written notice for cancellation, um, which, you know, most people just send in an email. Um, so from there, uh, I'm trying to figure out why they're canceling. Um, if it's something that we, I feel like we can adjust, maybe, their schedule isn't accommodating for the classes. Maybe a hold is a better option for the time being until their, you know, schedule, uh, you know, gets a little less crazy, right? right. Um, you know, or if they have a little nagging injury, you know, maybe I'm, I'm offering to put their membership on hold instead of fully canceling. Uh, maybe it's switching them from a monthly reoccurring membership to one of our punch card options instead. That way they're still at least coming in the gym, maybe not as regularly, but we still get to see them in the gym. Right. And then you track these cancellations. So what yeah. does that log look like? Yeah. So we have cancellation tracking log. Each location has its own tab. Basically it's a Google doc. Um, and it's got the person's information, name, um, how long they've been a member, reason for cancellation, um, how much their monthly membership was. We can kind of track how much money is, is now being lost. Yeah. Um, and it has follow-up information too. So, Hey, this person, um, you know, just had surgery maybe and they're rehabbing, 
but in three to six months, they're going to be ready to go again. And, and then so you I label that a green? Is that what the labels are? Uh, if they love the gym and they're like, yeah, I really want to come back in, then yeah, that's a green. And I'm looking back at that person in three months and reaching back out to them saying, hey, Jason, how's your shoulder doing? We'd love to see you back in the gym. Trying to get them back signed up. And so when you utilize these cancellation logs effectively, I mean, how useful of a tool are they? I mean, do you find them more times than not if you label somebody green within six months or a year of them leaving, they end up coming back? Yeah. Uh, we've seen a lot of people um, who are in the green come back. Um, yeah. So the key to that would be if you're not tracking your cancellations, you're leaving some, some room on the table. Absolutely. Right? So you're managing your team. You're obviously managing incoming inquiries, exit, you know, but you're also having to do exit interviews, hiring new team members. Yeah. So what does that process look like and how your reporting system looks above you? And then how does that whole flow look like for our organization? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I report to Matt, um, who's our CFO. Uh, if I find that we need, you know, more support, I'm, I'm reaching out to, to Matt Walker and MDV, who's uh, coaching development. If we need a new coach saying, Hey, we, we need some support. Do we have anybody in the pipeline? Um, and if we do have people, then I'm, reaching out to those potential new employees um, and meeting with them, just kind of trying to feel out if they're going to be a good fit for our team. Yeah. And so moving forward, you know, as you went from one location managing it to two, mm -hmm. how much additional scope was that? Because if you're doing one well, is yeah. taking on a second or maybe even a third, like not exponentially harder? Because like equating it to having a kid, when you have your first kid, yeah. like it's a lot of work. And then when you have your second kid, like for me, it felt like it was double the amount of work. It wasn't like it got easier in my opinion, right. but I knew what I was doing a little bit more. So that kind of helped. But what is it like when you go from one location, managing it to a second location for someone who's out there, who's looking to maybe, um, manage a second site. Yeah. Ha have you seen, you're able to streamline these things? How does that work? Well, I think you absolutely have to find a way to streamline them. Um, you know, when you're in one facility, all day, every day, like you have such a great pulse on what's going on. Everybody that's walking in the door. When I, when I only had Mountain View, I knew every person that walked in the door. I knew their backstory. I knew how many classes they had tried. And, and I just, I could, you know, rattle off names. No problem. When it grew to two, it, that got a little harder. You know, um, I had to get to know new team members. I had to kind of get the the feel of this facility a little bit and the flow. Um, and then as time went on, you start to try to figure out ways to, like you said, streamline everything. And what processes can I put in place at both locations to make sure everything runs smoothly? So is that like scheduling? How does that work? So what are you doing at multiple locations that making your life easier? So basically, I kind of try to break my days down into, into different uh, chunks, you know, and if I'm going to do scheduling, I'm going to do it for both locations and I'm going to do it the same way for both locations. So I make sure that the schedules, the format is the same. You know, the, the document looks the exact same. So I, I don't have to kind of like think about flipping from looking at one sheet to looking at another right, sheet. Right, right. Um, you know, if I'm doing inventory, you know, I have my people that I can reach out to, usually like a front desk staff, have them kind of give me inventory and I'm making sure that it's all up to date and everything in our uh, point of sale um, software. Uh, if I'm ordering supplies, you know, I have... Uh, a sheet again there that our staff has access to making sure that everything's up to date, just trying to, you know, make sure that everything's kind of 
clean across the board. And then if I'm doing it for one location, I'm checking both at the same time. Now you're also held responsible to some KPIs, right? Yeah. And so what are our, so key performance indicators, like mm -hmm. what are we looking at on a, cause you meet on a, what, a monthly basis to look at the performances of the gyms? We have our monthly performance review. Um, and what, in, what, what specifically are you calling out? I mean, you're calling out a lot of stuff. So yeah. this is a, this is an important topic. What are we looking at? So the monthly performance review is, it's like a 40 page document, <laughs> 40 page document. Yeah, something and you like look that. at it every month. Yeah. Um, the, the big one is, um, revenue and, and the financials of each location. Um, and from there we dive into any differences in the revenue and uh, where those came from. A lot of times it comes down to cancellations, new memberships. Um, we have paid in full options. So the timing of those paid in full options, a lot of times and holds. Right. Um, so, you know, if, if we had a huge amount of cancellations one month, we'd be able to track it, right? And we'd be able to say, well, we had this spike in cancellations. Why? You right. Know? Um, other things that we track um, on the monthly performance review are, you know, we track our inventory. We make sure all of that looks clean. Um, everything even down to just reviews that we're getting online. Right. You know, that's that's in there. Uh, making sure that our, our Google reviews and Facebook reviews are five stars. Right. And so this is a 40 page paper it has yeah. cancellations, new members, revenue, yeah. inventory, five star reviews, expiring uh, memberships that we need oh, to reach out to expiring memberships coming up yeah. either on a paid in probably on a paid in full, usually on a paid in full or our uh, 12 month agreement. Um, yeah, I spent an hour today, you know, reaching out to people, um, with expiring membership next month, making sure that we're renewing them before it expires. Yeah. Just being proactive. On yes. You're having that lost revenue. And so, I mean, and you, and so you meet with, you know, other managers and, and with Matt Walker and MDV to go, or Matt Walker in particular to look at deep dive in the financials. Mm -hmm. And it must be pretty interesting for you because I imagine when you see that we spent, for example, we were spending thousands of dollars on, um, Jan pro cleaning. Yeah. And, and now we took a deep dive and said, Hey, let's go ahead and buy one of our own scrubbers and do it ourselves. Right. Now that you're seeing all the financials, it probably makes that decision a little bit easier for you to understand why we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always been interested in that kind of thing too. Like uh, my, my degree is in finance, you know, it, it's not in, you know, kinesiology or human performance or anything like that. So, um, the business side of things has always been interesting to me. Um, so now I kind of get to to talk about my two interests, fitness and business. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really great takeaway for today is that, you know, if you, if you, if you have aspirations, if you have goals of diving into the financials or operation sides, there's opportunities for you in a gym as a coach, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. if you put the word out there, but if you don't desire those things, then maybe the position that you've outlined right now is just not for you. And I think people need to be uniquely aware of that because I'm sure, you know, some people on our team would, would really dislike your job. And other yeah. people on our, in our company would, you know, love it. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you're interested in, you know, what, what, what I kind of get excited about obviously is, is seeing these gyms grow, um, and seeing the, the memberships grow. And I, I love having big classes and awesome workouts and everyone having a great time. But on the flip side, like I also like finding efficiencies within the gym, you know, how can, how can we do X better and, and how can we do it, you know, make more money off of it. How can we do it cheaper? You know, like the Jan pro thing. Yeah. We were spending thousands of dollars a month on Jan pro and they weren't giving us that great of a service. So we decided, you know, hey, let's bring it in house. Yeah. And then by bringing it in house, now you see the numbers. And so then it, you know, cause it's going to be more work for our team because we need to actually clean our own floors instead right. of having someone else do it. Right. 
but it's for the better of the business because it leads to more sustainability in the future. And so, you know, I think you're a unique breed, right? Where you come from the coaching background, you've been able to shift and pivot. And I think there's a lot of people out there that can do this. They just need to know what they're getting themselves into. And if they don't align with that skill set or that desire, there's other opportunities out there. Right. But we've seen a lot of people come into your position who don't desire to do the things that you're doing. And it ends up just kind of not ending up as as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, you can't jump into an operator role um, just because you want a salaried position or want to make more money. Because if you don't enjoy, you know, maybe sitting behind a laptop for a couple hours a day and knocking out some emails and responding to leads and growing the business, then it's not going to be enjoyable for you. Wow. Well, Evan, I really appreciate you kind of diving into real quick, a little bit of a day in life for Evan. And um, guys, I hope all of you have a phenomenal day. Whether you're a manager of a location, a coach location, owner of a location, let's all just keep kind of evaluating, hey, what are we uniquely good at? How do we pursue this? How do we move the ball forward and keep rising the tides? Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, guys.